American football in Finland. That's how good he is. That's definitely the best offensive player. He could play receiver, quarterback, or running back if he needed to. Try to make them have a run game, which we know that they really don't have. I like to say he's kind of like, he kind of does like he's playing Madden when it comes to the playoffs. He starts doing a lot of weird stuff that you think can only happen on video games, and he gets away with it. But he ain't better. But in my opinion, he ain't better than Jabari Harris. I'll take Jabari Harris all day. Put that on the podcast, too. American football in Finland. The voice in your ears right now is Perfect Purpose, and this is American football in Finland. First-time listeners, welcome to the show. Hope you enjoy brutally honest football analysis and opinions because I'm all out of bullshit. Returning followers and AFF faithful, you know what it is. T-I-F. Today, let's talk about the third week of the Maple League. On Saturday, the Wausau Royals defeated the San Diego Crocodiles 25-7 in convincing fashion with a few spectacular highlight plays thrown in there. Then on Monday night, the Helsinki Roosters ran through the Porvo Butchers 49-13 at the Velodrome. Overall, not a bad week of football. I traveled to Vasa for the first time to watch the Royals play this week. I can honestly say it was a great football atmosphere, and I will for sure return again this season. The game itself had a lull in the middle when both teams' offenses weren't doing anything, but the last quarter was pretty good and gave enough real football that it was worth the five-hour trip for me. The Roosters game, on the other hand, I'm glad I didn't make the one-hour trip down the road for that one. No fault of the Roosters, but the Butchers just didn't show up for that game. It was really disappointing. The Butchers are my pick for upsetting the Roosters this year at some point, but after that game, now my wife won't even respect my football knowledge anymore. Damn shame. So let's get into the game for this week. First game, Saturday afternoon, Wassel Royals beat the San Diego Crocodiles 25-7. Let's, let's talk about the numbers. Total yards, Royals had 377 to the Crocodiles 104. Crocodiles had 12 yards passing. Total. 12 yards. Turnovers, Royals had a fumble. Crocodiles had an interception, so they offset. Third down conversions were big in this one. The Royals were 6 for 10, while the Crocodiles were 2 for 11. Individual stats, let's see what we got. For the Royals, quarterback Isaac Fisher was 11 for 17, 119 yards with a touchdown. Had 42 yards on the ground and a rushing touchdown to boot. Justin Williams, standout player of the game, had 22 attempts, 186 yards rushing, two touchdowns, and had 45 yards receiving. On the defensive side for the Royals, Steven Tresfield led all tacklers with nine tackles. He had four tackles for a loss and a sack. Stacey Thomas also had seven tackles and one sack. Uh, defense alignment, uh, actually defense alignment of the week, Laurie Hanala had three and a half tackles and two sacks for the Royals. For the Crocodiles, not much happened. I mean, the quarterback was five for 14. Ben Wilkerson had 12 yards and an interception. The running back Christian Powell was the only bright spot, had 14 rushes for 81 yards and one touchdown. And a lot of that actually came on the 45-yard touchdown run he had. On the defensive side, uh, let's just say Jermichael Edwards lied, the defensive lineman for the Crocodiles, had three tackles and a sack. 
Uh, Maxim De Falcons, the defensive back, had seven and a half tackles. And the Swedish defensive back, Lamin Soho, Soho, had seven and a half tackles as well. Before I get into my analysis on the game, take a listen to what Crocodiles head coach Michael Mattingly had to say about his team's performance. To listen to Coach Mattingly's full interview, subscribe to the AFF podcast and become a patron today. I'm here with head coach Michael Mattingly of the Senyoki Crocodiles. Welcome to the show, Coach Mattingly. Thank you. Thank you again, Purse. Uh, yeah, so second game playing against the Wasser Royals didn't go as planned for you guys. No. Lost the game 25 to 7. I know you're a little disappointed about that, coach. Yeah. So, yeah. So, first question I'm going to ask you is what went wrong in this one? Uh, what do you think you guys really need to get fixed before your next game? Well, it's good that we have a bye week this week. We're off for, you know, this week before we play the Butchers. So we have a good six, seven days of practice, a good 10, 11 days off before we play our next game. So if anybody's hurt, sore a little bit, guys can recover. But the takeaways from this game, I think we just need to be more effective on offense as a whole. I think we need to we need to get Christian Powell the ball earlier. We just got to start, you know, we got to wear, wear defenses down a little bit, you know. He's not necessarily going to hit a home run early, but just like he kind of broke those 12 tackles or 13 tackles. Or I know there's only 11 guys on the field, but I still think he broke 12 or 13 tackles on that one run. I just saw the clip again. I counted 11 broken tackles. Yeah. I mean, it was it was pretty impressive. So we just got to keep feeding him the ball a little earlier and, you know, make people stack the box. And then maybe, you know, just attack outside. We just got to find a better way to be effective on offense and, just maintain possession. I mean, that's that's really it. Defense play their hearts out. I mean, again, we give up too many points, but then to my liking. But when you're on the field for so long, you know, it's it's kind of a struggle. But we'll, we'll get things worked out. We have the talent. You know, we haven't been together as a group so long, but but we're working. We'll we'll get there. I think you know, of any game, this is the game to to get it rolling. We get an extra week and then another week. So then we've been here for a good amount of time. We can hopefully get things popping and get rolling. So so in this game, what did, did the Royals do anything that was like unexpected strategically or did they kind of play exactly how you guys thought they were going to come out and play? <laughs> they played exactly how we thought they would come out and play. Defense, when we were on defense, they came out and ran their, you know, their new two-back tight end set. You know, we stopped the run pretty well until – Justin Williams, I think that's his name, the running back, hit that 80-yard uh, touchdown run or 70-yard touchdown run at the end. We had we stopped the run pretty well. I mean, Fisher was a pretty good scrambling quarterback. He bootlegged a lot, which we expected. But on offense, they ran the they ran the defense we expected. You know, four linemen, Stacy and the uh, number four, the middle linebacker, standing up in the gaps, just blitzing, creating havoc. We just, you know, seemed that we just couldn't put it uh, put it all together. So, we had the game plan set. We just didn't execute. So as long as we can execute next week or in two weeks, excuse me, we should – I think we'll be all right. Eventually something will will fall our way. I know you guys were on the losing end of this one, but there had to be some some positive in this game. Who or what group on your team uh, played exceptionally well in this game? And, and describe why. Yeah. Um, 
the offensive line, I think, did much better than the Saints game. I mean, if you watch the film and the tape, you could probably maybe say otherwise. But compared to the first game, I think they were greatly improved on offense. Um, Defensive-wise, I mean, I'd say the defensive line and the linebackers, the front seven as a whole, we ended up having five or six tackles for loss. I think two or three sacks where in the Saints game, first game of the season, we only had one tackle for loss total. So we had about eight or nine TFLs, including the sacks in that number. So I would say the front seven did much better and the defense in the whole, I mean, we didn't get, I mean, we didn't get torched for, you know, 88% completion percentage and a 12 for 12 start. So the DBs, the DBs came together and played much better as well. So I think the defense as a whole did well and the offensive line improved, you know, fairly well. And, this week they'll get better and then next week they'll get better. So that's all we can do is just get better week by week by week, you know, everywhere on the field. So what about on the Royals team? Uh, was there any, any player group over there on their sideline that impressed you in this game? They had a good group of guys. I would say, I mean, Stacy's Thomas, he's been in the league for a while, but I mean, he's, he's a player, man. He can play safety wide receiver, running back linebacker. I mean, he made plays all over the field. I think his name is Steven Tressfield. That's who number four yeah. I think that's Steven, his name. French guy. Yeah, he's – I mean, he's a he's a freak. He's an animal. He he hustles all over the field as well. Offensively, uh, I mean, the running back got the ball 22 times. He made the most of it. Eventually, he broke one. I mean, that's what's going to happen when you get a lot of carries. Um, and the line – the line was much better than I had expected. They struggled a little bit against Helsinki. They struggled pretty they, – they struggled against Poru, I would say picking up blitzes and just the front in general, but they came ready to play. So I'd say the line and those two linebackers, they were, those are the, those are the guys in the group that stood out to me the most on their team. So. All right. Uh, Last question, coach overall, this game, how do you feel about your team's performance as an overall entity? Um, well, I mean, you never want to lose a game. Obviously we're owing to start and with only 10 games this year and not 12, you know, it's, you know, the pressure's not on, but it's starting to get there, you know, as the games and games start coming. But as I said, we go one more week. Teams have played four games. We still only have two under our belt before we even play our next game. So our schedule is set up a little differently than everybody else to where we're still in it, but we have to we have to start gearing it up. I mean, but it was much better than the Saints game overall. Defense played much better. Offense, uh, we didn't move the ball too well, but I mean – we struggled passing. I mean, pretty, you know, pretty much passing wise, it was just a complete struggle for some reason, but we'll get that hashed out. But we just got to find a way to keep pounding and just get yards and get across that paint and score some points. Eventually we're going to score some points. And I tell the guys all the time, once we start scoring points and start rolling, we're going to become a train that's going to be hard to stop. So it just is about when that train gets rolling. So, I'm hoping it comes June 9th against Porvoo and we can get our first win of the season. If that happens, then who knows? Everything can happen from there. All right, Coach. Well, thanks for the answers, and good luck to you the rest of the season, and enjoy your bye week. Awesome. Thank you very much. If you're listening to my voice right now, you're in the middle of another awesome episode of AFL. Why am I interrupting you right now? Because I got bills to pay. American Football in Finland is a podcast for the people, by the people. 
And that means I need the people, aka you, the listeners, to become invested in AFF by becoming a patron. Becoming an AFF patron is pretty simple. Click the Become a Patron button on the Podbean app and decide how much you really love American football in Finland. If you like the show and want exclusive content, become a Level 1 supporter. A Level 1 supporter consists of donating $1 per month to the podcast. That's $12 a year for exclusive AFF content. Level 2 patrons are true AFF promoters. For donating $3 per month as a Level 2 promoter, you not only get exclusive patron content, but also throw in some free American football and Finland gear so you can show the world your support for AFF. Now, if you really ride with me and the AFF podcast, you can donate $5 per month and become a Level 3 Loyalist patron member. Level 3 Loyalists get all the privileges of a promoter and a Level 1 patron with the additional opportunity to become a guest speaker on American football in Finland. Loyalists don't just support the show, you are the show. But no matter the patron level you become, supporter, promoter, or loyalist, it'll be greatly appreciated because you, the listeners, will help make AFF the best damn podcast ever. So let's make American football in Finland great. Become a patron today. Okay, my thoughts on this game. Pretty simple. The Royals were the better team. Their defense gave the Crocodiles no type of hope that they would score. Even on that long run, the the Christian Powell, the running back, had to break 11 tackles. Yeah, I counted them. He had to break 11 tackles, which means they didn't block anybody. He just did really good on that one play. Take that away from the game, and, I mean, they had less than 60 yards of offense from the Crocodiles. You take away that one long run for 45 yards. So the Royals really dominated defensively. But on the offensive side, they were inconsistent. They had a lot of opportunities over time because their defense kept making the Croc go three and out. So eventually the, the offense got going. But during the middle part of the game, it was three and out for both sides, both Royals and Crocodiles. There were six straight possessions of three and outs. I know this. I was there. I was bored as shit. But luckily I was in Vasa and the crowd was hyping the um, the DJ was getting it crunk in that mother. So, you know, it was fun, even though the game was boring as shit during the middle part. But later in the game, obviously, the Royals put it together. Things start going well for them. Defensively, the, the Crocodiles' defense just didn't play bad, but they're on the field so much. Eventually, they got worn down. They even had a couple of injuries because of it. Like I said, there was a period where they were stopping the Royals' offense, but then eventually it just came to the point where, I mean, if you on the field for three plays, off for three plays, on for three plays, and then eventually you're on for ten plays, and then you're off for three on for 10, off for three, shit, everybody gets tired, and that's what happened. They just basically got wore down because their offense didn't help them at all. For the Royals, though, the Royals had a lot of good going on in this game. Justin Williams really carried the load, 22 carries in this game. He's a smaller running back, so I really didn't expect him to be able to, you know, stay fresh with all those carries, but he's a true running back. The man got better as the game went on, and if he can do this every week, they really got something going there with the run game because... Tom Suosti was still in the mix, and they definitely made sure to give him a couple of touches here and there to kind of mix it up between having that speed back and then a power back. So I, I really feel like the Royals were, were on to something in this game. They just couldn't consistently do it during the middle portion, and that goes back to like play call and execution. 
On the defensive side for the Royals, the two linebackers, Stacey Thomas and Steven Tresfield, basically didn't get blocked the entire game, and they made their defense look better than it was. I mean, the defense was still good, but when the linebackers aren't getting blocked and they're, they're making a lot of tackles behind the line of scrimmage because the Crocodiles' offensive line couldn't block the four defensive linemen from the Royals, so they had no chance to get to second level, which meant the Crocodiles' quarterback was always under pressure, the running back was always his first contact was behind the line of scrimmage before he got to the line. And it was a lot to do with Stacey Thomas and Steven Tresfield just shooting those gaps and getting in there. The Royals defensive line even had the the luxury, I say. They had the luxury to rotate players and keep them fresh and be able to be able to focus on third downs and pass rush against the Crocodiles. Because the Crocodiles weren't stopping anything that they were throwing at them. The Crocs offense, okay, I'm going to talk about it, man. Shit was bad. It was just bad. 12 yards passing is unacceptable for any level of any league, of anything. I don't know anywhere where 12 yards passing. I've seen Little League games with more than 12 yards passing when they don't throw any passes. So the Crocodiles have to figure something out. And I'm not going to just say, you know what, the quarterback was bad or the receivers were bad. They all played bad in this game. The receivers, they never got open. They created no separation. Uh, credit to the defensive backs from the Royals. But the Crocodiles receivers, somebody has to step up and become that guy. Either Anthony Brooks, either uh, Andy Mazzarino. So one of those two guys, I'm going to call it out. Anthony and Andy, one of you guys have to step up and become that playmaker. Get open. Give your guys a chance. But also up front, the line is not giving Ben Wilkerson any time. A two-second clock is not enough time for a receiver to get open or for a quarterback to throw the ball. And two seconds is about all he's getting. That offensive line was just getting ran over. And this is not the first time. This also happened when they played against the Saints. So this is not a, oh, it's just a team we're playing. That offensive line has problems. It needs to get fixed. Third problem with this offense is Ben Wilkerson. And I say that with the utmost respect. Ben Wilkerson is a great athlete, great player, but he's not being helped by his line or his receivers, and he's not helping himself. He took a lot of big hits because he was trying to extend plays. He was trying to hold the ball just a little bit longer to see if someone would get open, to see if one of his linemen would make a last-ditch effort block. And what I'm telling you, Ben, is when you're doing this, you're taking hits. And you're a big guy, strong guy. You can take the hits. I know you can. But over time, your body is not going to be able to handle taking all these unnecessary hits. And your teammates got to help you out. But overall, quarterback got to be smart enough to get rid of the ball and take your losses without taking the extra hits. He took way too many hits. A couple times when he was scrambling, he took hits on the sidelines that, I mean, I thought they could have been on on Q's top 10 plays, but obviously they weren't highlights to other people. But if you were in Vasa... You've seen those hits. He took some big hits. Can't have that going on every week. This game especially. Hopefully they get this stuff fixed before the next game. The last thing I'm going to say about the Crocs, you had one positive. Christian Paul is a man. He is a man amongst boys. That one player where he broke 11 tackles, he didn't break 11 easy tackles. Maybe about four or five of them were easy. But a good five or six of them, he was dead to rights. And his physical prowess is what got him out of those tackles. That's the type of guy you have at your running back position, Crocodiles. 
Build around him. Help this guy be great because he can be. Right now in this game, he only had 14 carries. He needs 22, 23 carries. There's no reason. In the first quarter, I think he only had two carries in the first quarter, and a lot of that has to do with the play calling. Too many pass plays called with an offensive line that can't pass protect. It might not be able to run run block either, but at least with Christian Powell, you have a chance that he can make something happen. He needs to get the ball more often for this team, for this team and this offense to be somewhat productive. Get Christian Powell the ball and you guys will be all right. Those are my thoughts on this game, but let's hear what the Crocodiles offensive coordinator and quarterback, Ben Wilkerson, thought about the game. To listen to Ben's full interview, subscribe to the AFL podcast and become a patron today. What's up? Are you enjoying the AFF podcast? Damn right you are. Well, let the world know you enjoy the show. Follow AFF on the Podbean app. Just head over to AmericanFootballFinland.Podbean.com and hit that follow button. You can also find the podcast by searching for American Football in Finland on the Podbean app. The second game of the week happened on Monday where the Roosters... Welcome the Porvo Butchers to an ass whooping of 49 to 13. Before I talk about the game, let's get into the numbers. Team stats Roosters had 398 yards, Butchers had 282. Uh, Roosters had 300 yards passing, Butchers pretty much had 118 rushing, 164 passing, pretty even. But obviously, the Roosters were dominant in the game and they had short field a lot of times. So that's why there wasn't a big disparity between the two stats. Third down conversions. Roosters were 6 for 13, Butchers were 3 for 11. It showed in the game. Butchers had a lot of three and out series. Never really could convert on third down. Now, fourth downs, the Roosters were 3 for 3 and the Butchers were 1 for 3. Just shows how confident the Roosters were in the offense that even on fourth down, they went for it. The one pass to the back of the end zone to Adam Connett from Brandon Connett, the Connett connection they're calling it, that actually was on fourth and 10 on the 30-yard line. They went for it and got a touchdown instead of just 10 yards. But for turnovers, Roosters had none. Butchers had two turnovers, one fumble, one interception. Didn't make much of a difference, but it, it's important to know. Individual stats uh, for the Roosters. Brandon Connett had a hell of a game. 22 for 36, 307 yards, six passing touchdowns. Almost, he was closing in on the Roosters' record for passing touchdowns in one game. Running back Young Kari had... Six rushes for 52 yards and a touchdown. Also had three receptions for 34 yards. Adam Connett, probably player of the game, player of the week this week, actually for me, offensive player of the week, had 13 receptions, 212 yards, four touchdowns. On the defensive side for the Roosters, Curtis Slater had seven tackles, one pass breakup. Ilya Redden, linebacker, had six and a half tackles and a block. Uh, Nico Quick had five and a half tackles and an interception. For the Butchers, not much happened. Uh, quarterback Yane Lettinen had 12. He was 12 for 23 passing, 164 yards with a touchdown, an interception, and a rushing touchdown. Uh, Darian Hall, the running back, had 16 attempts, 108 yards. On the defensive side, all the defensive backs had all the tackles because it was a passing game. Uh, Isaac Marshall led with six and a half. Roman Runner had five and a half. And Mitch Daly had five tackles. Now, I have a lot of thoughts on this game, but I feel like there's not much I can really tell you besides 
what everyone else knows. The Roosters were the better team. Uh, they were stopped on the first drive, and after that, never stopped again unless they wanted to stop themselves when they put in their backups. But basically, early in the game, you're like, okay, here we come Butchers. Y'all actually going to try to give them a run. And then reality set in, and they start putting up a crazy amount of points. Uh, speaking of crazy amount of points and stats, Adam Connett's stats were crazy. But just to give you guys a little bit of perspective, the Butcher secondary is just not very good. I mean, Isaac Marshall is playing as a running back for the Porvo Butchers, but started at cornerback in this game. And he's the guy that was guarding Connett for most of the game and not doing a very good job. And if you're wondering, well, why didn't they put someone else on him? Well, Roman Runner was guarding Kimmy L, who is probably the best receiver for the Roosters. So there's no point. If you didn't guard him, then he would have scored. And he still scored. Even on Roman, he scored a touchdown. So really, the Butcher secondary is just not, it's not ready to play this type of offense where they have too many weapons at the receiver position. The Butchers just weren't capable of stopping this passing attack with the secondary and linebackers they had in coverage. They did a lot of zone coverage. It didn't work. When they did man coverage, it only worked sometimes. And when it didn't work, the Roosters scored. That's what happens when you play in a superior team. Any mistakes you make, they capitalized on it in this game. The Roosters could run the ball if they wanted to. They actually did run it well early, but then the passing game was so wide open with so many one-on-ones, they just kind of took advantage of that late and just kept throwing it. Whether it was a run play or a pass play, they were successful. The Butchers created pressure on the pass plays, but it's Brandon Connett. You can't tackle the guy. He's very athletic. He extends plays, and then he throws touchdown passes. That's just what he does. That's the guy he is. And he runs the ball in for touchdowns. So the Butchers, I mean, I'm sorry, guys. You guys are just outmatched in this game. There's just so much that y'all could not match up to him with, just pure talent-wise. Offensively, the Butchers... You're not giving anybody any help. They look like they need a better passing strategy. I don't know what the plan is, but just throwing deep balls to Daniel Luoma and then throwing deep balls to Roman Runner will not win you any games. As you can see, the Roosters' secondary is solid. The Roosters' defensive line is great. They're putting pressure on Yane Letton in this game, and when he's looking for receivers, his receivers aren't open. They can't get open. Everybody's in coverage. They're not really blitzing. They're getting pressure with the front four, and then they have other people in coverage. And when they are blitzing, even the, the back coverage, man-to-man, -man, they can guard all your receivers. Uh, I don't know what to tell you, Butchers. I feel like you guys need to come up with a better plan besides just throwing the ball. I definitely think that the running game was there, just not the way that the Butchers wanted it. Uh, they have a lot of different run plays, a lot of different schematics that I think would have worked in this game that they didn't really get to use because the game got out of hand early. The game got out of hand, which meant the run game was nullified. That's not something the Butchers can do. You guys have to stick with that run game and make, make it a game where you can control the tempo. This game, it got away from them too early. And for the Butchers, everybody knows this. If, if they get behind, there's no coming back from that. It's just not in their skill set. It's not in the offensive scheme. And this is what happened in this game. The running game actually went pretty well once they got it going later in the game. Again, like I said earlier, it got going against the backups for the Roosters, so it's not too impressive. But at least it's something positive that, hey, if you really work on it, you guys can run the ball. Speaking of backups, the Roosters 
kept their starters in like through the third quarter, which was surprising because I really felt like, okay, the game's over at halftime. Here comes the backups. But obviously, maybe they felt some type of way about the Butchers, you know? Maybe the Butchers were talking some shit about this before this game. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't there, but uh, I did see the game, and I saw that it looked like the Roosters kind of put their foot on the neck, you know? They kind of said, hey, we're not even going to like give you the idea of getting points at the end of the game to make our stats look bad. Interesting to me. I don't know if they're trying to prove a point to everybody in the league, or maybe it was just the butchers that, hey, you know what, no mercy because you guys think that you're on our level. I don't know. Maybe there's a little bit of rivalry there. I hope there is, actually. I would love some rivalry. I don't know if anybody saw the, the Roman runner and Curtis Slater, a little push off, a little something, something they had going on, personal foul in the game. Hey, I am not condoning violence, I'm not condoning unnecessary penalties, I'm not condoning any extraness on the field. But the chippiness, I don't mind it. We do need there to be some type of passion in this game. And if it's the Butchers and Royals that bring it, I'll take it. Obviously, the Royals are not the team that they were last year. So we're not going to get that type of, you know, grudge match on the field. But Butchers, if you're going to have a grudge match with these guys, you got to play better. Uh, you You can't go out there looking like Ohio State and Michigan, where Ohio State's been beating the shit out of Michigan for so many years that it's not even a grudge match anymore. Yeah, that's a shot at anybody that's going for the Wolverines. Go Buckeyes. Talking about, I was talking about backups before I got sidetracked. Top shelf himself, Curtis Slater, led the Roosters in tackles. Actually was one of the best defensive players of the week, but sat on the bench the entire second half while Kojo came in at safety and actually played his reps. Imagine if this guy played three quarters or even four quarters like some of the guys on the Roosters defense did. Just putting that out there. Uh, that's that's it for that game. It was really a shame. Um, glad I didn't go. Glad I didn't waste three hours of my day in Helsinki watching that. But definitely kudos to the Roosters. You guys look great right now. Look like you're unstoppable. Uh, Butchers, step your game up, man. Somebody has to do it. And you're, you're the team. I, I'm banking on the Butchers being a team to step up and compete against the Roosters. I'm not saying you got to beat them. But right now, nobody's competing against them. I need there to be competition. Okay, guys? That's all I'm asking for. All right, that's that's it. I'm done with my rant. Sorry. I hope you're enjoying the show so far, but I have to take this time to give some of my listeners a much-needed wake-up call. It's 2018, people. If you're listening to this podcast from a link, you're doing it wrong. Just follow American Football in Finland on the Podbean app and get instant notifications when new episodes are published. If you're too lazy to use the Podbean app, that's okay. AFF is also on the iTunes podcast app. So just type in American Football in Finland and click the subscribe button. Don't forget to give me a five-star rating while you're at it. And Android users can subscribe on Google Play. It's 2018, people. Keep up. Maple League teams are back in action today, uh, which is Thursday. I'm I'm shooting this really late, sorry. But they're back in action today with the Wausau Royals at the Quopio Steelers. And then the Helsinki Roosters are at Tampa the Saints on Saturday. My panel of football experts have picked winners for this week's games. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to release my picks before or after I release this episode. But either way, check it out on my Facebook page, Perfect Purpose. I'll do that either. I'll do that today, which is Thursday, and I'll also do another one on Saturday before that game. Right now, uh, with the picks, Q is undefeated at six and zero. 
Tuomas is five and one. The Finnish Swami is five and one. Jabari is four and two, and I'm in I'm in last at four and two right now. So this week, if you haven't seen it online yet, everyone has picked the Steelers and Roosters to be the winners for this week. So we'll see if they're correct or not. That's it for American Football in Finland. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. And don't forget to tune in next week. And never forget, T-I-F. American Football in Finland is now on iTunes. Please rate the show and subscribe today. If you really like the podcast, follow AFF on the Podbean app. Search American Football in Finland and hit that follow button. And for all you loyal AFF listeners, we are now accepting Podbean patrons. Click become a patron on the AFF page and pledge your loyalty. Thanks for listening. American Football in Finland.